back to the Blog Boy Roundtable presented by the Bay Area Examiner. From the Bay Area Examiner, we have myself, Seth Varndor, Anthony Vito, Robert Stieg, and Nathan Bond. From DraftKings Network, we have Nick Simon. All right. Uh, week one is officially in the books. Um, we're going to use kind of our picks to talk about last week, and then um, we're picking some of the three biggest games, I think, are, are around the country this week, so we can kind of use that as a springboard to talk more. Um, just looking at the picks from last week, Stieg, undefeated, 4-0. Serious Stieg is here this season. Nailed Unbelievable. Northern, Northern Illinois plus 8.5. Also hit on FSU, Western Kentucky, and Utah over Florida. Steve was the only one to pick Utah. Uh, Florida plus six and a half looked terrible. Almost had a chance to backdoor it, even though they were pretty awful. Um, but not a great, not a great start from them. And then uh, USF probably the opposite, right? Probably should have covered. And uh, WK did backdoor it on them. So, um, uh, either one of those games was there anything crazy? I thought the Florida game. Um, I, their offensive line that was a big concern. Uh, going coming out of that game, going in, I felt like they they did a pretty good job last year getting their offensive line to gel pretty quick. Uh, I kind of thought they'd be all right there. They were not. So, uh, what was, was that? Your big takeaway from, from that game, or what? What did you guys think? They look, they look atrocious from like the just from the very beginning. Like they just. They just got bullied, man. Like we were talking about camera, like the impact of Cam Rising being uh, not being cleared in for Utah. That just that just straight up didn't matter. Like Florida, they they just went out and laid an egg in that. Yeah, rough start. Rough start with the seventy-yard touchdown on the first play, um, and then gave them a bunch of short fields. And Utah's a team that like they just don't make mistakes. So if you give it to them, they're gonna punish you even without cam rising so how are you gonna rush for only 13 yards if you're the gators and you're a billy napier offense because they loaded <laughs> they put eight dudes in that box and said throw a bunch of short passes good luck and uh, go for it and good. sneaky I, I i had to look this up because i'm like there's no way how did graham mertz throw for 333 yards because <laughs> they had eight dudes in the box <laughs> they, they they, 31 for 44 330 uh, okay like that's not terrible no he actually. played all right the yeah. rest of the team not so great and yeah, the inability to run the ball, uh, and then the, every time they got in the red zone, much like uh, a Clemson team who was my uh, my off the board pick, Clemson minus thirteen, great call. Uh, but yeah, two. I think they had two fumbles inside the five. Duke had a couple fumbles early in the game, that, but uh, they just ended up getting pants in the second half. Oh uh, my! Much like LSU, who I also picked. Everybody else had FSU. That was an unbelievable second half from Florida State. I, I thought um, at one point, you know, LSU kind of screwed around. They could have been up 31 14 and a half, and they still would have lost because yeah. Florida State scored 31 points in the second half. What did you guys think um, about that game? That was kind of the game of the week, uh, LSU Florida State. Any thoughts on that one? Uh, best quarterback one. Uh, the thing that I was worried about going into the season, we talked about it. Jaden Daniels against the blitz was not great. Uh, Jordan Travis on the other side was phenomenal. And uh, more often than not, if you have a the better quarterback in college football, uh, there's a decent chance you're going to win the game. Uh, and that proved that that proved out. And you know, Florida State's defense, giving their credit, they 
they locked it down in the second half too. It wasn't just an offensive showcase, but it helped. Well, I mean, get this third down efficiency, nine for 14 for a Nor- Norvell squad, LSU three for 10 and zero for three on fourth down. That's just not going to cut it. Uh, yeah. Jordan Travis played incredible. They, they were, it looked like they were just amped up that first, first half for both teams was, uh, was, was a little a great, too much once they settled in. I don't know if it was, if it was uh, Norvell and Atkins just kind of made it simple, but y'all that wide receiver tandem of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson's going to be a problem. <laughs> Like, what do we even do? And then you throw in who had the long touchdown at the end. That was another transfer. Uh, Jaheim Bell. Yeah. I mean, they got weapons now. Like this is and with Clemson the way that they are. Woo, buddy. Florida State played like we thought. And uh, great game. They should be number one right now, by the way. I mean, they're the, they're the only team that beat down a top five team. No, I think the the LSU's lack of execution does hide some the Florida State defense. I think they bowed up in the good and the they bowed up in important spots, but they didn't play great. And that was my biggest concern with him, but the offense is so good. It might not really – I don't think there's anybody that can score with him the rest of the year. Um, Nick, what did you think about that game? What were your thoughts? So, like everything you guys said, one thing, like, I was, like, looking at a, one of the um, – one of the uh, – like, they were doing, the, like, the uh, press conferences today, and one of the Florida State uh, defensive guys <laughs> was talking about how – like midway through the game, one of the LSU offensive linemen looked at him and was like, man, you guys are good. And he was talking about like how, like, yeah, that's how we know we got him. Like, you don't say that <laughs> up, front, <laughs> up front in like the middle of the game. So, yeah, that was just like LSU didn't execute. But this Florida State team, like we've been saying or we predicted, it, they're, they're the real deal. They, this team is the real deal. And like as you saw from last night with uh, – Clemson going down like the power in the ACC is shifting back towards Tallahassee and that game Clemson Florida State in a couple weeks that's not going to be pretty that is not going to be pretty at all well the the thing just watching from like uh you know just the scheme side and like a form like just a coaching looking at Florida State's offense right there's you you would like to play with two safeties over the top of those receivers that would be that would be nice Especially Coleman. You've got to play somebody over top of Coleman, I think. But Florida State is such a good – I think for the rest of the season especially, um, they're not going to face the defensive line that's going to give them a ton of problems. If you play too high, they're just going to run the ball down your throat. Um, now, Clemson, that'll be – I thought the Clemson defense played pretty good against Duke, and they kind of – they finally broke at the end. Um, but, yeah, they're, you you play too high to stop the passing game, and now they're going to run the ball, and now you bring extra guys in the box, and now you have one of those guys one-on-one. So um, they're going to be difficult for somebody to solve besides, like, you know, the elite of the elite teams because you got to have some – got to be able to go athlete on athlete with those two receivers, and not many people are going to be able to have two guys to cover those because neither of them are tiny either. They're big dudes. Steve, anything on that game you picked up for you? Everything went nah, it, was, it was basically textbook of what I thought was going to happen. I mean, both these teams in a top match kind of consider, you know, barring unforeseen circumstances that it's going to be blow for blow for, you know, the first half and someone's going to make an adjustment and one of those adjustments is going to work and the other one's not. And I mean, it played out in Florida State's favorite. I'll credit Mike Norvell. Um, he, he, he took his blows early. He took his punches early in his career at Florida State. Um, you know, there's a lot of doubt whether he could do it, especially from uh, some of us. 
but he has them rolling. He's recruited extremely, extremely well there. He's put together an extremely talented and more importantly, an extremely athletic team. Nice. Um, I, I, I can go into talk about this, but it's, it's kind of zigging while other teams are sagging at this point. Cause there's a lot of teams that are focusing on beefing up right now. Um, the, the train in Alabama and, and the arms and the Ohio States and Michigan of the world is to beef up and, and to, to, to go in that direction, get the beefier linebackers and, and play bully ball. But for Florida state, they said, well, no, we can get forward athletes here. We can get some of the fastest guys. Some of the guys that have more athleticism than everyone else. And they went out there and proved it against a, a very good LSU team that may have been missing a few guys here and there, but overall, that's an extremely talented LSU team. Yeah, and uh, definitely, I, I think you see Florida State in the top four in the AP. Um, that Clemson game is kind of the last road bump for a while for them. So if they get through that one, uh, <laughs> they're going to house uh, some Wake Forest and those types of teams. So uh, let's get to uh, the games we're picking this week, and this will kind of lead us into kind of talking about uh, probably the second biggest game just in terms of buzz. Um, we, we're going to pick Nebraska Colorado. Colorado is a three-point favorite. The over/under is fifty-nine and a half. Um, we've—I think we've talked about it. We thought—I uh, know I thought Colorado would be pretty good on offense if they could block because we've seen Jimmy Horn, we've seen Xavier Weaver. Both that we—we as uh, USF people know, both those guys are NFL guys. Um, Travis Hunter is a different kind of dude. And so those it's going it's hard for people to uh to guard those three and then you add in the back Edwards who is uh a true freshman super explosive and slippery and Shadur um just kind of putting the ball exactly where it needs to be and making really good decisions. Uh they were even better than I thought they'd be uh early. Did, did that surprise you guys or is it kind of like yeah they have good skill guys they're going to be able to throw the ball around a little bit. I thought it was shocking. I mean, I didn't expect them to go. I think TCU has, you know, had had a lot of guys graduate and there's always going to be a learning curve there. But offensively, they look like a, a a juggernaut already. And Shadur Sanders, I mean, he just already set Colorado records game one like that. that you almost have to really and everyone kind of knew Colorado was going to be one of these. You got to see to believe or you got to see what's going to end up happening. But if they can show up the, the defense and they don't have to you know, get bullied on the lines, let's say, and they can just run spread and do what they need to do. This is a top 25 team, maybe even better. I, it's shocking. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. I don't know if you guys have, but I think Colorado <laughs> minus three easily. I don't trust Nebraska right now at all. All right. Yeah. I, my, I guess my big question is, and this is what it felt like. This is what it feels like a little bit to me. Uh, I think it's different, but it feels – you remember uh, Mike Leach's first game at Mississippi State? They played LSU. Yeah. Um, they threw for like 600 yards or something on LSU, and everyone's like, oh, the air raid can't work in the SEC, huh? And everyone kind of was, you know, really uh, like, um, this is obviously going to work. They're going to kill everyone. And then they, they kind of had a mediocre season, and it turned out LSU was just not very good on defense, right? Um mm-hmm. So that's my that that popped in my head. Um, thinking about kind of watching that one, I think the offense is going to be good though. My my big concern is their defense. Uh, Steve, where are you going in this Colorado game? Do you does the defense concern you, or are you just you're you're on the you're on the train with Coach Prime? The, it's it's 
I'm trying to think of the best way I can convey this without sounding like a like a, um I, I I can simultaneously not necessarily think that Colorado is going to be able to sustain this for the entire season because of their defense. I think you caught a TCU team that I, I think I harped on this before, hadn't built on their success, didn't really rebuild from the success they had previously. And it kind of showed because they made a lot of really careless mistakes and a lot of guys are wide open running around and kind of got in the spotlight there. And so when I watched that game, you know, the only thing I could think of is, you know, this is more an, an indictment on TU and the flash of the pan that they had than what I think Colorado is going to be. Cause we knew Colorado's offense was going to be good, but yet you couldn't, you know, that, that defense at times just very suspect and didn't look like they wanted to close them out, which is kind of strange coming from a, a Deion Sanders coach defense, but going into this game with rule coaching uh, Nebraska there, I, again, I, my line of thinking is Matt rule is one of those coaches that he has to go like one in 11, his first season to just tear that thing down, rip up the floorboards, throw out all the signs, throw out all that crap. And then he starts rebuilding his team. And he starts doing really well. Because Matt rule is a really good coach, but he needs to kind of start this thing from the bottom up. So I I'm, I'm earing on more of the side of favoring Colorado this game, not necessarily as a Testament to you know, what Colorado is doing, because again, I, I, I am kind of suspect. I think they're going to give up a lot of points this year and are going to have to score a lot of points to keep this up. But I also look at the other side of the game and then say, I don't think Nebraska is very good. I don't think they're going to be very good this year. I think they'll be very good in the future. And so uh, that's kind of where I'm leaning at. So I'm, I'm on Colorado here, but not on Colorado probably before after this. Nathan, you like to go with the better quarterback. Uh, are you going with Shadur Sanders or Jeff Sims? <laughs> Such a hard choice, right? Um, man, it's it's tough. Like, I, I don't love the way Dion went about things, but I mean, you can't deny the result. Like, that was freaking impressive. Over the weekend, I saw you know, four 100-yard receivers. I saw uh, Spencer Hall from um, you know Shutdown Forecast said just kind of off on Twitter saying, "I don't even think I was able. I don't think I was able to get four 100-yard receivers like I'm playing NCAA. Like that is a that is a feat among itself. I think the offense, like we've said, is going to be really, really good. It's going to get real pointsy, and I'm thinking." Maybe it's like a 2016 USF five where just the offense just has to take it up to another gear because the, the defense is not great. And you're going to see massive amounts of points in yards from this offense if everybody stays healthy. I'm taking Colorado. Uh, Nebraska's just not good enough offensively to keep up with them, and neither is their defense. And you can also, if you'd like, take the over under. The over under is 59.5 if anybody likes that. Nick, where are you leaning? Uh, I think we might have a sweep on this one. Um, it's hard not to after that last week's game. Where, but where are you leaning here? Oh, yeah, just like everyone else, uh, Colorado, just those guys we mentioned. It, it kind of like touched on what you just said about Florida State, particularly on offense with Colorado, just athletes and speed with Sanders, with Sanders, our friends, our former friends, uh, <laughs> Horn, Weaver, Edward, Edwards. Um, dude, those, those guys, they put on a show. They put on a show on Saturday. It was just un, it was unbelievable how well those all those guys, obviously Travis Hunter, like those guys were just unbelievable all Saturday long. I will say this about Nebraska. 
going like kind of looking at the box score from their game against Minnesota uh, last Thursday, they should have won that game because you go back and you, you go back and you look at it. Um, hold on. Where did I put it? Yeah. You go back and look at it. They held Minnesota to 3.6 yards per play, 2.2 yards per rush. Like they, they could have easily won that game. It's just the problem is they turned the ball over four times versus Minnesota's one turnover that entire game. So, yeah, like they could, so they should be, so Nebraska should be one and oh coming into this game. And when you come, when it comes down to it, if it comes down to, in it, in a like theoretical like track meet, you're not like, God bless him, you're not trusting Jeff Sims <laughs> to keep up the keep up. Like that kid, that kid's been through the ringer, man. And yeah, just give me, give me Colorado all day for this one. Yeah. I, I, the Nebraska defense, look what you mentioned, they might be pretty good, but uh, so that would kind of scare me off the over maybe, but I just don't think Nebraska's offense is going to, I think that's going to take some time uh, regardless of how bad the Colorado defense may be. Um so I, I think you probably see Nebraska run the ball a ton, uh, try to control the clock. So maybe that over wouldn't be good. So I'm just going to stick with everybody else and go Colorado minus three as well. Um, there's just got a lot of explosiveness and three points at home. That seems all right. So next game, next uh, uh, pretty big out of conference game here. We've got Texas A&M on the road going to Miami. Miami won the battle of Miami last week. Texas A&M. Uh, has Bobby Petrino. Offense looked pretty good. Connor Wegman's a pretty good player. Um, basically, to me, these are these are somewhat similar teams. Can you how can you trust the coaching staff? Uh, I don't think the home field advantage will be that great. So I'm just going to take the team that's more talented. I'll take Texas A&M minus four and a half, even though it's kind of between uh, two numbers here. But give me Texas A&M. Let's go to Steak here. What are you thinking? Texas A and M, four and a half point favorite at Miami. This one, this one feels gross to bet. I didn't like it. Um, and I, when I saw the line, I was like, I really don't like this. And so I just have to. This is like kind of like a vibes pick more than anything. It's just like which which team do you think is less likely to just clutch themselves? And to me, that's kind of Miami right now. Um, I just think Texas A&M is, is big fraudster, uh, some point, And I think you need to, you need to call spade a spade, uh, with Jimbo Fisher leading the helm. Um, I'm, I'm going to give the edge very slightly, just like they said, I, I think they'll win by seven, but I'm not, I, I don't, I don't love what Miami's put together either. Uh, but I still think that they're going to end up winning here. All right, Nathan, you hate Mario Cristobal, right? Or I'm sorry. You, you don't trust him. Uh, where, where are you leaning here? But do you trust Jimbo more? I guess is the question. Yeah, I mean, I mean, t- technically speaking, Jimbo's had more success than Mario has at all their combined stops. Um, I will say it was a nice bounce back from for Tyler Van Dyke after probably one of the worst football seasons from a pretty hyped prospect and and QB talent over the last few years. So it was nice he went. Uh, 17 to 22, 200 something yards, a touchdown and an interception. Um, I, I, I'm going to go A&M. Um, I just, 
I got to I got to see it more than one game from from this Miami team to trust anything. Uh, so I'll take I'll take Texas and Texas A and M and hope for the best. Would it change your pick if I told you that Tyler Van Dyke uh, copyrighted the phrase Tyler Van Dime today? Ugh. No, it would, just, it would just cement the fact that he's just an unserious quarterback. There you go. Nick, does that sway your – does Tyler Van Dyme of it all sway your pick? <laughs> nah. Um, yeah, so – Dime, Jesus. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Texas – I'm going to go Texas A&M here. Um, like, this game shouldn't be – like, this game – I think this game could actually be a good watch versus – last year's abomination between these two teams like that that game was rough that game was rough to watch um both teams both teams did what they had to do against their uh g5 opponents last week both quarterbacks van dyke was efficient connor wigman was efficient um the thing about this game i think will come down to uh henry Parrish near for miami and his ability to run against that um texas a&m front seven but Again, kind of similar with Steve, just kind of just kind of based on vibes. Right now, I'm just gonna give it to the edge to um, give the edge to AM. I think there's actually a little bit more juice with uh, with uh, Bobby Petrino as the offensive coordinator. I think he can at least like help this Aggie team put more points on the board than they did last year. And I think. Ultimately, like it'll be a good like this should again, this should be a good game, but I think um AM wins by a touchdown here. All right, Vito, your last one here on this game. What are you what are you thinking? This game's in Coral Gables, but I mean Texas AM put up four touchdowns in the second quarter. Uh you know, the, the, this game was out of reach before halftime. Uh 52. Connor Wegman looked incredible. Five touchdowns, only uh 18 to 23 completions. I mean, that's pretty solid. Um, the interesting thing about Miami, uh, Tyler Van Van Dyme. Oh my goodness! Um, spread it around. They had three. Um, sorry, uh, spread it around a bit. Looks like three, four, five, six, seven, eight different receivers touched the ball. Uh, I don't know if that means much. I I, I think Bobby Petrino kind of showed you what he wants to do, and it, if Jimbo lets him do his thing, then I bet talent. So I would go ahead and say uh, Texas A&M covers here on the road. Uh, it, it'll be an interesting game. It, uh, hopefully there's a lot of offense because that would be better than the uh, what happened last year. <laughs> you don't want the 17-9 game again? Yeah, Please apparently no. Texas A&M, I didn't watch the game, but apparently they went a little bit more tempo. Uh, they were 25th, I think I heard somewhere in pace in week one, which is much different than they've been. So uh, I like Wegman. I think he's a pretty good player, and Evan Stortz is a stud. So. Uh, Another interesting stat that I, I looked at: Texas A&M nine penalties for eighty-eight yards, and Miami uh, had. Um, hold on, let's see. They had eight penalties for sixty yards. So two highly boots could be a highly penalized game. Um, those those just jumped out in the box score. Looking at that one, so we'll we see. There, there, there's a penalty prop. You may go over there. So yes, please. All right, let's go. Uh, all right, so then probably the game of the week this week. You got Texas at Alabama. Texas lost by one point last year at home. Alabama is a seven and a half point favorite at home. Stieg, what are you thinking? Horns up or horns down here? Ooh, baby. I uh, got to watch a little bit of that Alabama game actually against Middle Tennessee State. Um, and what immediately jumped out to me about that game was how different Alabama felt. It, it didn't 
I mean, obviously you're playing middle Tennessee state as Alabama. You're not going to be you know, throwing the book at them. You're not going to be, you know, doing anything too complex. You're going to kind of ease off a little bit, but at times they look like they really eased off of middle Tennessee state's offense, especially for an elite Alabama defense. Yes. They pitched a shutout, but there were times that, um, you know, they, they allowed middle Tennessee state to start pushing the, up the field quite a bit. And that was a lot of cause for concern watching that game. And then I remember, oh yeah, it's Alabama. They're really good at this. They're really good at maybe not looking super prepared against a group of five, a smaller school like that. And then coming out lights out because they still have one of the best coaches coaching them at, at the current juncture. So I'm still going to take Bama here. I know Texas is building a lot. They have a lot of talent on offense. They didn't really come lights, lights flashing against Rice. Um, but I don't think that's too much of a cause for concern. Um, I, I think at some point the Bama dynasty is going to start the tipping point. I don't think it's this year, though. Uh, so I'm going to pick the tide here. All right. Nick, what are you, what are you thinking here? You got Texas at Bama. The old assistant. You got the assistant against Saban. You got it, you got it all. Where, where, do you, where are you going? I'm going opposite Stieg. I'm going to go with uh, Texas, with uh, t- almost a Texas AM, Texas to cover on the road here. Um, an interesting thing about uh, Bama, particularly with um, Jalen Milrow as the quarterback, he, well, I mean, he only ran the ball seven times for, but he led, I mean, they, they had a bunch of people get uh, get carries in this game. He led with uh, 48 yards. Um, it, it really, with Bama in particular, it really feels like, okay, it's like, okay, we don't have like elite, you know, first round receivers walking to that door walking through the door. So we're going to go, we're going to take this, we're going to take this thing back. We're going to go back to early 2010s, 10 Alabama. We're, we're just going to run the damn, we're going to run the damn ball and there's nothing you can do about it. But I think Texas, like if, you know, under Sark, they've kind of been kind of building themselves into the image of Alabama. And if, there's a game where you want to like where you actually want to prove it and get over the hump. It's this one. They came so close last year. And now all those guys, you know, Quinn Ewers, Xavier Worthy, year older, more experienced. That's going to be an interesting uh, matchup seeing uh, Worthy go up against Kool-Aid McKinstry. That's going to be fun to watch. But yeah, I think um, it's going to be similar to last year's game where this is going to be a tight one. And I'm just going to, I'm just going to take the Longhorns here. Vito, you on the clock in your drafts, or are you able to jump in right here? Oh, no, I'm good. I just drafted Christian McCaffrey. Let's there. go, baby. <laughs> there you go. All right, where, where you, I'll uh, uh, jump in then. What do you think? Do you, uh, we, so you got Steve with Bama. You got Nick with Texas. Where are you leaning? I like what you said, Nick, about Jalen Milrow, because I was thinking the same thing. It's like I, I, he, this might be we're going to go back to what we, what we do best and see if some, some of these receivers will uh, – develop into something else. I and mean, Alabama looked great. Two touchdowns every quarter. Can't beat that every time you do that. Um, I I think that Texas is amped because they, they were so close to winning last year and they might've done it if Quinn Ewers wasn't hurt down to the last kick seven and a half almost feels a little too juicy. Like if this was anything less and you know, all we know, Alabama can do whatever uh, Texas against rice didn't look as dominant as they needed to be. But in the third quarter, they, got you know they outscored rice 21 to 0 maybe they're not trying to show anything for bama and maybe bama's not going to try to show anything this week because they got a big game in week three 
I like Texas to cover. Let's go ahead and give it a shot. Horns all the way up. If Texas is going to do it, it's got to be this year. I think they're going to be amped to play uh, at Alabama. Yeah, you know what? I this is is this. I'm going to let Nathan go last year because he might call us all dummies. We'll see. But I'm I'm leaning Texas as well. You know, they didn't. Uh, I, I saw they kind of messed around with Rice, but you look at available yards, they're number one in the country in terms of defensively available. They only allowed Rice to gain 13.5% of available yards. Now, Alabama's number two at 14.9%. Uh, but the Texas defense played pretty well. They've probably got, if you were going unit for unit, the Texas offense is probably better than the Alabama offense. I guess what the worry is Alabama's huge up front. They're going to just want to run the ball and mash the ball. Can Texas hold up? I think if it was seven, it might be a little bit more difficult, but seven and a half, you could still cover losing by a touchdown. I'm going to go with Texas as well. Nate, is this where you tell us we're all dumb for betting against Nick Saban? No, you guys aren't dumb. You just make bad choices in your life. Um, that's, but that's, that's a you know topic for another day. Um, yeah. Bama, I, I don't I don't trust Sark as far as I can throw him. Uh I like Quinn Ewers. Uh he was fine against Rice, 19 to 31, 61% completion percentage, uh, three touchdowns. Um, but against I kind of expect more out of you against Rice. Uh, I know his, his average depth of target was like eleven and a half yards down the field. So he was he was chucking the ball down the field a little bit. So that can lead to a lower completion percentage. But again, it's Rice and you're Texas. I would expect a closer to 70, 75. And even his adjusted completion percentage was still uh, well under 70%, you know, accounting for drops and everything like that. Uh, Alabama's fun. I like their quarterback. I think he's dynamic. He, I think he popped off two touchdown runs, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, the other two quarterbacks also had rushing touchdowns. Um, while the running backs didn't really do too much, um, I think he's dynamic enough to make make it interesting and, and you know be a plus one in the running game a little bit. Um, I'm taking Bama until again until proven otherwise. Uh, Bama is still it. Yeah, it's hard to argue, right? But um, I don't know, all the Texas people. Do you think Texas wins or just covers? I think. Oh, just, just I think a cover, right? I don't think it'll be a win. I just think it'll be closer than anyone expects. Maybe not similar to last year. That's seven and a half. If it was three and a half, no. But they might only lose by a touchdown. So I think, remember, last year it was 20 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> we also picked Bama, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure too. <laughs> well, no one expected what they did. Yeah. So, yeah. Nick, what do you think? Do you think they got a chance to win, or is this kind of just uh, it's over seven? Feel good about a cover. I think I, I I I'm gonna like say it. I think they um they squeak by and they outright win this one. I take. I I think like don't bet against Nick Nick Saban. I I, I get it. I, I like I said, man. Like if if it's gonna have if it's gonna happen, if this is gonna be it right here. It's when you have the when you have the experienced quarterback because. Next year, you're going to be rolling redshirt freshman arch out, and that's going to be kind of a process to start all over, especially in the SEC. So there's going to be a sense of urgency this Saturday. 
Yeah, and my, hey, we're my gonna one... put you in the blender if you get this one wrong. By the way, <laughs> well, uh, my my concern about Milrow is even on some of those bombs he hit, like he hit a bomb to Jermaine Burton. They Jermaine Burton was wide open, but the ball was way inside. Like if he's got a good defensive back on him, it might be an interception. So um, that's kind of also leads into my Texas pick. He was a turnover machine, and, and that Arkansas game was the game he started. I think. Had some great plays and also turned the ball over. All right, now we're going off the board here. Uh, anybody who have a pick they want to jump in with? I'll, I'll, I guess I'll start. All right, somebody explain this to me, right? I, I'm going Oregon minus six and a half at Texas Tech. All right, hmm. Texas Tech. Um, I think some people thought their defense was going to be a lot better. They, the defense, I don't think, was the issue. They lose to Wyoming. Uh, a weird game where there's like weather delays. I think that kind of factors into a weird game. Now you got to travel. Your travel gets thrown off. That's you got to come back home. Um, but you know this is an Oregon team. Everyone thinks is going to be pretty good this year. Under a touchdown, I know it's on the road at Texas Tech, but um, Texas Tech's a team that wants to throw the ball, and they were not able to throw the ball very well against Wyoming. So uh, I'm going to take Oregon minus six and a half at Texas Tech. Uh, kind of a weird spot. Texas Tech coming off a loss. Maybe it's a square take, but you know. I'm going to go with it. Dang, Better Seth, quarterback, right? Bo Nix. Broadway Bo. Um, uh, you said square take earlier. I, this was my pick as well. I'll pick something else on my on my list, but just check out some of these stats. I mean, the, Portland Portland State scored in the first quarter, and then Oregon rolled off 81. <laughs> yeah. How three quarterbacks played. I, Bo Nix looked good. I mean, they, they only played a little bit. Um, I'm going to go a completely sicko pick. Oh, UConn plus three over Georgia State. Oh, Georgia State struggled a little bit against um, their FCS opponent. Or um, hold on, I'm gonna back up real quick because I had a thing for this. Uh, did they play Delaware? You, no, you, I State. know UConn played North Carolina State pretty tough and was yeah. able to run the ball on them uh, a little bit. I wanted to pull this up because uh, fighting. Uh, yeah, Morris? UConn looked pretty, pretty good. They have some players, and Georgia State did not look very impressive in their win versus Rhode Island. URI, 42, over, 42 to 35. Georgia State's at home, but I do you, I don't know if you can trust them. UConn might have a coach in Jim Moore Jr. Um, I kind of like that at plus, uh, plus three. I don't know if Georgia State's going to win, or I, I, like, I, I just – that seemed really, really low to me. Just like the Oregon one seemed really, really low to me from a from a line standpoint. So that's my sicko pick of the week. I like it. I like that a lot, Vito. Uh, Nick, what do you got? Jump on the GJ Kinney train. I'm going Texas State plus twelve point plus twelve and a half versus UTSA. Texas State. Probably like probably the like biggest surprise of the of week one, just going in and just like just throttling Baylor, man. Like that was that was impressive, just right out the gate. Like, yeah, we're gonna go up to Waco and beat these guys. And now you're playing UTSA, which if you don't know, like that's like the I-35, like that's an actual rivalry down there. It's like under it's under the radar, but UTSA and Texas State, they hate each other. And Kenny, coming off this big win, you know, you have TJ Finley, who finally found a home. He bounced from LSU to Auburn. He comes, balls out his first game for Texas State against Baylor. 
those guys, he's going to be firing those guys up for this particular rivalry game. So, yeah. And plus, like, you look at UTSA last week versus um, Houston, Frank Harris, three interceptions, didn't play well, didn't play necessarily well. He'll, you know, he should bounce back, but yo, don't, don't, don't sleep on Texas state. Even if it's in year one, man, that, that I'm saying that, that was impressive what they did. Over under for that game, 66 and a half. So that should be a fun one to watch. All right. So we got Nate and Steve hit their off the board picks last week. Uh, We'll go to Nate. He had Penn state minus 20 and a half and nailed it. I mean, just never in doubt. Um, so I'm going to go s- something interesting. It's kind of going off of one of Steak's favorite teams. Uh, Oklahoma State at Arizona State. Uh, Arizona State's favored by three and a half. Uh, oh, really? That one kind of confuses me. Like, I know Jaden Rashada is there, and they look pretty good um, in week one. And Oklahoma State didn't look great. Uh, in their game, I, I just I don't like. It's kind of like the Dion Colory or whatever, however you want to uh, say that word. Um, does a coaching change and everything like that? Does it really change that much? Is like that kind of the? Can you progress that much? Uh, it's weird. I'm taking Oklahoma State in the points. I just I got to see it. I got to see Rashada again with tape. I got just just for reference, uh, DraftKings has Oklahoma State as a three and a half point favorite. You still like it? Did I look at that wrong? I still like it. Maybe I wrote it wrong. I wrote it wrong. I still like it. Yeah, I know. I still. I'm sorry. I I wrote it wrong when I was uh, researching. Yeah, I still like it. I think that's still. It just still doesn't make any sense. And but I'm still taking Oklahoma State. And speaking of like a some an opposite or a you know uh, you said a corollary to Dion, but like an opposite in terms of uh, belovedness, Mike Gundy. But the guy uh, is like a covering machine, so like <laughs> they, they do really. He's really good against the spread in his career. So that's a short number at Arizona State. Who yeah. I, do they have a big home field advantage out there? I don't know. Stieg, you were number one last week, four and zero. Uh, in case I didn't read off the records, I was last one and three. Vito and Nick both went two and two. Nate went three and one. But Stieg was undefeated. It has not missed yet. Jazz Pull the wool over our Stieg's here to stay. Uh, Stieg also Nate, has TCU almost... under seven and a half, by the way. That was his preseason pick, just to, <laughs> just to let everyone know. So. Hey. You just might hit their over a little half, little quicker than I thought they were too. They got a pretty good win this past week. Um, uh, so Nate, I was gonna actually go with that game as well. Uh, opposite direction. I uh, I've been on the uh, Mike Gundy needs to go train for a little bit, and I think uh, in the last was a lot of parts uh, on the Oklahoma State sideline. But uh, I decided to venture up one pick uh, on the DraftKings Nation because uh, I saw this one, and the line looked a little strange to me, all things considered. Uh, Auburn at Cal. Auburn's the six and a half point favorite. I don't know if you guys watched, you know, did any research or anything and watched any of the uh, other American Athletic Conferences last week. Boy, howdy, did Cal look really good against North Texas. And it's because of uh, two guys that uh, that'll uh, lead them to victory here in an upset over Auburn. Uh, Sam Jackson, the fifth 
transferred in from TCU, and Jaden Ott, running back from Cal, both are just absolutely electric. I mean, these guys are these guys don't just have like speed; these guys have like speed. Uh, mm. And then on the other side of the gambit, uh, Auburn beat UMass last week. Didn't looked a little sluggish, looked a little slow. It's still a free start. Uh, they're still reeling in the new coach and gelling a new system, et cetera, et cetera. I think I'm going to take Cal here on the upset to uh, over Auburn uh, late night on the West coast. A lot of things uh, I don't love for an East coast team to make that travel. And so uh, there's my pick for the week. Is Cal with a big upset for the, the uh, what are they in uh, ACC? Yeah, future ACC. The Pac-12 is undefeated so far, so. Um, Which is right. why we have to kill that conference. Yeah, <laughs> they're it's obviously can, it's obviously amazing. can't compete. I, I, I love back. Just like uh, the ACC being poor is really affecting Florida State's football team. So, all right, that's another week of picks. We'll be back next week to recap and pick some more games. Gentlemen, thank you, and thank you for watching.